Welcome to Passion Life Church. How many of you know that there's no other name above the name of Jesus? You know, I was reading this past week about how every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? You know, something happens when we begin to exalt his name above every name. The Bible says that when Jesus is magnified and worshiped, he draws all men unto himself. But I think it's important this morning that we exalt his name over anything that you're facing today, whether it be a sickness or disease or financial lack or whatever it is. Let's just take a moment. And if you would, just speak the name of Jesus in this place. Come on, if you're watching online, just speak the name of Jesus. Come on, say it. Let it come out of your mouth. Jesus, we thank you. We honor you today above all else, above the way we feel, above our thoughts this morning. We place you in the highest place. We honor you this morning, and we thank you, God. We worship you, Lord. We thank you that your name is greater, more powerful than sickness and disease. Father, it's greater than any pain that we may feel in our body, and we thank you that your name, every knee will bow, Lord. Every tongue will confess. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that you are working in our lives We truly do come to adore you, God, and we love you, and we thank you. We're so grateful this morning for all that you've done and that you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, why don't we give him the greatest round of applause that we're going to give him all day? Because he's worthy of our praise and our worship. Would you just say hi to a couple people, tell them Merry Christmas, it's good to see you in God's house, and that you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Merry Christmas to all of you. How many of you have finished your Christmas shopping? Let me see, let me see. Oh my goodness, we have some people. How many of you are almost done? 90% done? All right, good. 50% done, anybody? All right. I know some of you are just like Amazon delivers in a day. I'm like, yeah, but don't wait that long. We're so glad that you're here today. I want you to bow your heads as we turn our focus to the word of God and uh, what he has to say. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word. What a gift to us. And truly in this season, we are celebrating the word made flesh to us. And so I pray, Lord, that as as your word goes forth, that it would be made flesh to us. It would be applicable to our lives today. So speak to us, not only by your word, but by your spirit. Today we say, have your way in this place, God. And so, Lord, this morning we thank you that our hearts are good ground and that our ears, we have ears to hear what you are saying In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Oh, that wasn't everybody. Come on. And everybody said? If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We are concluding this series on the gifts of the wise men. And we're looking specifically at the gifts that they they brought. You know, uh, these men called the wise men were giving a name. They were given a name called the Magi. It's a Persian name. It comes out of Arabia. It was given to powerful rich, influential men. Uh, They were not Jewish men. They were from the East, the Bible tells us. But what's interesting to me is that they could have brought Jesus any gift. They could have given him anything. But the Bible marks and highlights the three gifts that they gave. And so that's why we're studying that because the Bible focuses on those gifts. 
And today, my church family, we are giving gifts today because of their example and because of their legacy. We also give because God has given to us. But let's read the Christmas story, Matthew chapter 2. Verse one, it says, now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he that born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So what was the motive for them coming to Jesus? Their motive was to worship him. It wasn't to see the phenomenon of all of the heavenly hosts, although I can't imagine what that would have been like for the shepherds to see that. It's amazing. But that wasn't their motive because now Jesus is about two years old. He's a young child, so all the heavenly hosts are not in, in the heavens anymore, at least visible, right? All of those things. Now they just, there's a star. But they came, the Bible says, to worship him, verse 3. And when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ would be born. And they said to him in Bethlehem, Judea, of thus it is written by the prophet, and now Bethlehem in the land of Judea art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, uh, inquired of them diligently when the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And uh, when he had found him, bring me, when you found him, bring me word again that I may go and worship him. How many of you know, liar, liar, pants on fire right here. Come on. What is Herod doing, right? He is intimidated by this king of the Jews. It's amazing how you can have people with different perspectives. The wise men are coming to worship him, value him, honor him, but Herod is intimidated by him. It's pretty interesting, right? Verse eight, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go search diligently for the young child. And when we have found him, bring word again that I may go and worship him. Verse nine, and when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Everybody say exceedingly great joy. This is the result of their worship, exceedingly great joy. This is the impact that worship has on our life. Verse 11, and when they were come to the house, they saw the young child and with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, everybody say treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. I think it's important that we say this because it is important. They came to worship Jesus. You know, I believe and I'm inspired by Mary and Joseph's sacrifice, but they did not come to worship Mary. They did not come to worship Joseph. They came to worship Jesus. Jesus is the hero of Christmas. I know some of you thought it was Santa Claus, but let me say it again. Jesus is the hero of Christmas. Although we honor Joseph and Mary's sacrifice, he's the hero. Not Santa Claus, not Topo Gigio, come on somebody. Not Elf, not Frosty, he's going to melt. 
He's going to go away, but it's Jesus who is with us for eternity. The Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I've been just looking at these gifts. And actually, when I was thinking about our study together, I was thinking about how you could really call this series, How to Worship a King. How to Worship a King. You're invited to baby Jesus's birthday party. What do you get him? A gift card to Target? What do you get him? A gift card, you know, to Little Caesar's Pizza? What does Jesus need? What do you get a king, right? What an interesting question, right? What do you get God who is deity, a hundred percent flesh, but a hundred percent God? I would say this, you'd probably want to bring something of significance. You'd probably want to bring something. Why? Because the gift always represents the giver. It always represents the giver. And so you'd want to bring something significant. And I truly believe that these men were inspired by God in their gifts. And I, I honestly believe this whole, wor- this whole series has really been about worship. It really has. People who worship always have insight about what God is doing in their lives. And these men, again, who were not Jewish, God was working in their heart. He was drawing them. And remember, he appeared first to the lowest of the low, who were the shepherds. The shepherds in the social class at that time were the lowest of the lows. They got to see the angels. God called the lowest of the lows, but he also called the richest of the rich. He also called the influential people. And they brought these gifts and they were inspired. But more than all of that, they were worshipers. The first gift they were and they brought was gold. Everybody say gold. That represented deity. And if I can, just for a couple moments, I just want to review because I know there's lots going on in our lives, but the first gift they brought was gold and gold represented God's deity. And they were acknowledging that Jesus was the son of God. Now, when we looked at the definition of worship, The definition of worship means to adore, but also means to bow down to a being or something that is superior to you. So when they brought their gold, they were bowing down in worship and they placed their gold at Jesus's feet. The Bible says this, when they fell down and worshiped him, they opened their treasures and their treasures were their gifts. Matthew chapter six, verse 21 says this, for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. I pick my treasure and then my heart follows that. I pick my treasure and my heart follows that. So what they were saying is that they were giving God their gold of their wealth, of their influence. And they were saying this, Jesus, you are my ultimate treasure. Watch Jesus. You have my heart. Here is my gold. And the Bible says that our treasure, where our treasure is, is our heart will be also. So many people struggle with gold. So many people, gold has a a handle on their heart. It becomes their security instead of God, but not these men. These men won the battle of gold. You know, even in our world today, when you love somebody, what do you do? You spend some money on them. Can I hear a good amen? Ladies, right? Ladies, if you are single and ready to mingle, and you are dating somebody and he tells you he loves you, but he won't spend his money on you, step away from the curve, lady. Because then that's just cheap. I love you. You know, I want you to put your money where your mouth is. Man, I thought the ladies would give me a great amen on that, but that's all right. I want his heart. Pastor Phil, I want his heart. Well, the Bible says where his treasure is, your heart will be also. So out of your heart, 
treasures come. The second gift was frankincense. And this was actually incense that was given to royalty and it carried a meaning of adoration. They called it the incense of kings. So again, here they are, they're giving Jesus frankincense saying, you are the king, the king of kings. And incense was used in royal palaces oftentimes because the stench of the sewage that ran through those, those countries was so bad. They didn't have the plumbing that we had, but the stench was so bad that what the frankincense would do is it kept the stench of sewage out of the palaces. So when you would walk into the palace, you had this idea because it carried the, the connotation of adoration. When there was, you smelt frankincense, there was somebody in there that was to be adored, but also the palace didn't smell like the town. But when I did study, I realized that frankincense wasn't just for royalty, that the way that you got frankincense is it came from a tree that was near Mount Lebanon. And so all you had to do, whether you were rich or you were poor, is you just had to get to the tree. So people, even in poverty, if they got to the tree, their house could smell as good as the palace. They had some royalty. And for you and I, the tree is the cross of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to the cross of Jesus Christ, that cross takes away the stench of our sin. Can I hear a good amen today? So it doesn't matter if you're rich or you're poor, what you have, influential, non-influential, if you will get to the tree, you can be forgiven and saved. And then the Bible says that Jesus, through his poverty, through his poverty, you and I can become well supplied. It's really exciting. You know, we also said this, when you opened up that frankincense and the fragrance began to fill the room, it would literally change the atmosphere. In my church family, this is what worship does. The Bible talks about worship being an aroma, like an aroma that changes the atmosphere. Remember, we talked about the woman with the alabaster box. She opened it up and she poured it on Jesus' feet. People were sitting there and they were eating Lazarus. And, and, they're all, and right in the middle of dinner, she opens up this perfume and she pours it on Jesus' feet and she begins to cry. She begins to worship him. And the Bible says that that aroma of that perfume, that spikenard perfume, it changed the whole, it would fill the place. That's what happens when we begin to worship God. Our atmosphere will change. The atmosphere of your life will change if you begin to worship him. But remember, we talked about Judas made a comment. He saw this expensive perfume. And in one translation, he says, what a waste. She's wasting this. What's interesting is that that perfume, that spikenard perfume, the Bible says it was worth a year's wage. At least that's what Judas was calculating as she's worshiping. She's worshiping Jesus. She's valuing him and worship, and Judas, all he could think of was money. And he thought that her worship was a waste. My church family, can I just tell you and encourage you? Worshiping God is never a waste of time or money. It actually does more for you than you can do for him. Can I hear a good amen today? It does more for you than you can do for yourself. But I, it's amazing in our culture today, people think that, well, just coming to church, it's a waste of time. Oh, is it? Worshiping God, it's just a waste. Well, you know what? You're just talking like Judas. It's never a waste. And then we, I forgot to say this last week, but when I went home and, and it happens to a lot of speakers, you go home and you go, man, I should have said this, should have said that, should have said this. But remember Paul and Silas? Man, they were in chains. And the Bible again, in their prison in chains, they begin to sing and they begin to worship God. And the Bible says this, the prison started to shake. 
And this always gets to me. It just always, the Bible says every prisoner, all of their chains, all of the doors were opened because Paul and Silas began to worship God. It changed the atmosphere, not only for them, but the people around them so that the guard who was there, him and his whole family got saved because two people decided to worship God. It changed the atmosphere. Mm. Get in an atmosphere of worship. <laughs> we have some team back there that are helping us with our production and they're back there. Amen. And amen. <laughs> Give it to me. Worship will change your atmosphere. That's why when you're in your car and traffic, put out some worship and don't just listen to it. Don't just worship in your mind. <laughs> Begin to sing those words out. Come on, change the atmosphere of your car, change the atmosphere of your home, change the atmosphere of where you work by worshiping him. Woo. Let's look at the last gift today. They also brought myrrh. Myrrh. That's the third gift. You know, it's interesting when you study myrrh, you, you begin to ask yourself, like, was this really an appropriate gift for a child, like a, a two-year-old? Myrrh was like this expensive perfume, and what they used it for is they used it to embalm. It was like an, anoint, an ointment that they used to embalm a person when they died, and oftentimes they would wrap the body in myrrh to cover up the decay of death. So you just go, okay, that, that, that's an interesting gift. The New Testament talks about it, John chapter 19, verse 38. It says this, and after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but securely for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave. He came before him and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? I call him Nick at night. He came right to Jesus at night. And Jesus said, you must be born again. Here's Nicodemus. Man, God did a work in his life. Look and watch this. And there came to him Nicodemus, which at first came to Jesus by night and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. When I saw that, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to be Judas here, but I want, I'm curious how much is a hundred pound weight of myrrh? So a hundred pound weight of myrrh is equivalent in American dollars to $200,000. You can't worship without sacrifice. And I'm going to say this because it has everything to do with my message. Jesus had died. And what these men are doing, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, listen to this. They are honoring the body of Jesus. Talk about that a little bit. They were honoring the broken, dead body of Jesus. $200,000 because they thought he was worth it because they valued him. Let me say it this way. They honored his death. They honored his suffering. Not just by saying it, by actually putting this on his body. But I thought as the wise men came, what an interesting gift for a baby. Can you imagine you have a baby and it's your two-year-old birthday party. We don't call them terrible twos. In Christianity, we call them terrific twos. Come on, we got to speak faith, somebody. They're terrific twos, yes. And you have a terrific two birthday party and people are giving gifts. I remember before Gavin was born, when Val was pregnant, we had diaper parties. We're like, just have diapers. 
bring diapers. Like everybody, and not used, please, not used diapers. You know how people can be, but we need brand new diapers. Come on, somebody. And so people, we had, I mean, we used those diapers almost for like six to seven months. People brought, like, I don't know what to bring. Just bring diapers. We have a two-year-old party. People bring toys. They bring clothes. But can you imagine, you get this little box, you open it up, there's a little paper in there. You're like, what's this? What, you know, what, 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 is, what is this? And somebody's like, oh, I bought your son a little funeral plot. Um, so when he dies, he can have it. What? It seems really inappropriate. But can I just submit to you, my church family, this gift of myrrh may have been the most profound gift that was given. Why? The gift of myrrh defined why Jesus was born in the first place. My church family, he was born to die for our sins. We celebrate his birth, but there is a purpose to his birth that he was born to die, but not only die, raised from the dead. My church family, there have been a lot of teachers who were born and died and never raised from the dead. There's been a lot of great philosophers throughout our time, probably even philosophers that we've never even heard of, that they were born, right? They died, but they never rose from the dead. And these men, again, because of their heart of worship, are in tune to what God is doing, and they give the gift of myrrh. And they are saying, Listen, the reason why we celebrate you today was because this is the beginning of the purpose of why you came. Here's number one for today. My church family, God's plan has always been redemption from the beginning of the time. Always. Can I just encourage you, don't get wrapped up in your sin. Don't get wrapped up in your mistakes. There is redemption for your life. You know, the Bible says in Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, the lamb was slain from the foundation of the earth. You know, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Wages means payment. The payment of sin is, is death. Because what sin does is it steals the very life that Jesus came to give you. You know, the Bible says that Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. But sin takes away that life. So how do you pay for sin? It has to be a sinless life. Since sin takes away life, it has to be a sinless life to pay for our sin. So Jesus, who came 100% man, 100% deity, 100% God, was a sinless lamb of God. Somebody asked me, Pastor Phil, it doesn't make sense that God, Jesus, really would be born in a manger. But it does if you understand that he's a lamb. Come on, somebody. He's the lamb of God, the sinless lamb. He wasn't born at the Ritz Hotel. He was born in a stable in a manger because he was and is the lamb of God, sin free. And the Bible says that he who knew sin, think about this just for a minute. You and I have known sin. I won't ask anybody to say amen. You and I have made mistakes. Jesus never knew what it was like to know sin. Jesus never knew what it was like to be rejected from his father. But the Bible says, are you grateful for this? He became sin, right? Not just took on the sin, he became sin. He looked up and said, my God, my God. It was the first time that Jesus never called him father. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he asked that question because we're gonna ask that question. Why would God forsake Jesus? God would reject Jesus so you and I could be accepted as a son and call him father. Come on, somebody. Come on, you can give him a better round of applause than that. Come on. 
And he who knew no sin became sin. Why? So you and I could be called the righteousness of God. And so the payment for sin, and let's be, let's be, let's be real about this, okay? It wasn't just a death of lethal injection. I think about this all the time. Jesus could have come, right, and just said, okay, just give me, you know, the lethal injection. I'm out. Woo! But he came when capital punishment was the worst. The Roman crucifixion, you know, history tells us they call the scourging of what Jesus went through the half death because some people never made it past the scourging itself. But Jesus went through it. And he suffered in every area. I just want to encourage you, go back to our our YouTube channel, Passion Life Church Marietta. I did a whole message on seven places, the seven strategic places that Jesus bled from. Every single one of them is significant to you. He suffered. Why? So you and I could be righteous. So you and I could have a relationship with his father. And so my church family, what worship does, number two, is worship lives a life that honors his death. I used to play in a rock band, and I thought we were going to tour the world. It was called the War Club. And so shout out to all my friends, fans, War Club. There's a scripture in the Bible. I don't even remember it now, but it says, you are my battle axe. And one translation says, you are my war club. So we had scripture behind it. We were going to tour the world and all of these things. So excited. And God used that because I loved music and I still do. And I played the bass and I could play the drums a little bit. And God used that to get me involved in ministry. And then somebody handed me a microphone and said, hey, man, do you mind after you guys, you know, rock out and jam and mosh and all that kind of, can you, can you, Ask the kids to give their life to Jesus. I was like, sure, yeah, that's why we're here. And so I would do that, and then people started inviting me to speak. And they didn't really invite our band, but they invited me to speak. And it was like a weird, and then I, I found that I just felt home there. But we had a song, and, and in the lyrics it says, You died for me, so I will live for you. You died for me. So I will live for you. You know, I have two mission statements for my life. One is that I want to build tomorrow's leaders today. You're going to see this in 2023 at Passion Life Church. We're going to start building more leaders. There are some of you who have a teaching gift, and uh, we want to cultivate that. We're going to have speakers, some of our own people. Some of you, uh, God has blessed you, and I want to cultivate that. But the second mission statement of my life, which actually really is the first when I gave my heart to Jesus, I always think about this almost every day. I want to live a life that honors his death. I want to live a life that honors his sacrifice. You know, when you think about what could you give a king, can we just break down everything to this one word? We would say worship but it's even deeper than that. Can I use this word? You give a king honor. Honor. What these three gifts represented from these men who were influential, rich, powerful, it was that we are honoring you, Jesus, as king. You are superior to us. You know, honor, when you think about it, is the lost art in our society today. 
I truly believe, it's my opinion, that we're more concerned about being offended than we are honoring people. We're actually looking for reasons to be offended. You can't even say a person's color of a skin without people being offended. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy. They're white. <gasps> That's racist. No, it's not racist. We are all different. And can I just tell you, if we will celebrate our diversity, life would be so good at times, you know? Thank God you don't have a personality like me because the world would be cray-cray. Come on, somebody. Thank God I don't have a, a personality like you or the world would be boring. So we need each other. Come on, somebody. Can I hear a good amen today? But honor means a regard with high respect to adherence to what is right. When you honor, really what you do with your life is you say, this is worthy of my time. This is worthy of my energy, my honor. And here's what I've found. God works through our worship. God works through our honor. How do you know that, Pastor Phil? Matthew chapter 13, verse 7, when Jesus was on the earth, he came to his hometown. And the Bible says that he could not or he did not do many mighty miracles because of the lack of their unbelief. But then Jesus says this. He said, a prophet is without honor in his hometown. Listen, Jesus worked through their faith. If we're going to have faith, faith has a component of honoring God. I can't do this, God, but all things are possible with you. That is honoring. But Jesus puts, oh, listen to this, my church family. I hope you're taking notes today. Jesus combines unbelief and dishonor together. My church family, dishonor is the highest form of, of unbelief. Let me, let me say it this way. Uh, doubt is the highest form of dishonor to God. I'm gonna say that again. Doubt is is the highest form of dishonor to God. That's why in any area of your life that you don't honor God, you won't see God work. It didn't say he didn't want to do miracles. He said he did not because he does not work through unbelief. If we don't honor him, we won't see him work. Can I hear a good amen today? This is what is so interesting to me about, about so many people. You know, the Bible talks about that we're supposed to honor God with our wealth, just like they did with their gold. So many people, so many Christians, we have so many promises about God being more than enough and his provision. But so many Christians have financial problems. I, I talk to so many, and the first thing I want to ask them is, are you honoring God with your wealth? Because God cannot work if you don't worship him. And we have to worship him even with our wealth. Why? Because we can be attached to our wealth and that becomes our security. Can I hear a good amen today? And so, so many of us, well, you know, we, we, we hold on to our gold. And it's interesting because I don't talk about this a lot because you can talk about raising kids at church. You can talk about miracles, all this stuff. But as soon as you talk about people's gold and people's money, they're like, Ugh. you know why that is? I used to be that way because it has a hold on our heart. And it's interesting to me, you know, there's a statistic that I read, oh, the church globally overall, 20% of the church actually honors God with their tithes and their offerings. And then we want God to work in our finances. We need promotions. We need all of these things. My church family, 
God can open doors that no man can shut for you. God can put you in positions that you didn't even study for or have degrees for. All things are possible with him if you will just honor him. Can I hear a good amen today? To honor him. Honor him. But you know what we do with our wealth? I'm not picking any on anybody today, but I'm just telling you the things that I hear. Well, you know, little Timmy's got, we got to pay for little Timmy's, uh, you know, his uniform because little Timmy's got to play soccer and we got to do this. And, okay, so you value all of that. And none of that to me is wrong. But if you do it first, it tells me what you truly honor. And then we wonder why we get stuck in life. This is why my church family, listen, worship has to be a lifestyle. It's not even just a one-time gift. It's not even just Jesus last week, you know, we, we gave last week. That's good. I'm glad. But can I just tell you, we're in a moment right now and we don't have anything else but this moment. And so if we're going to live a lifestyle of worship, what we have to do is it's not just a song. It's a moment. It's a life. But life is made up of moments. Moments turn into minutes. Minutes turn into hours. Hours turn into days. Days turn to weeks, weeks to months, months to years, to decades, right? I've heard five people this week can't say, can't believe this year's over. It's over. Can't, can't believe that. Wow, man, it just flew by so fast. Yeah, I know. But if we don't maximize this moment, so worshiping, if it's going to be a lifestyle for me, worship has to start right here in my mind. Every thought that comes into my mind, I have to say, God, does this honor you? If it doesn't, I'm going to cast down this imagination and I am going to believe what you said is possible. Not what they're saying on the news, not what this person is saying. You know what I just did? I just worshiped God. The Bible talks about worshiping God with all your heart, your soul and what else? Anybody know the scripture? Right. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. It has to come there. And you know, I want to live a lifestyle of worship. I want to live a life that is honoring Jesus's death. This is not the Bible, what I'm about to share with you. It's me, me. And I'll tell you that as a pastor, when it's my opinion, what I think, this is me for my life. I want God to look at my life and go, Phil honors what I did for him. Phil appreciates the sacrifice. Phil does. I want my life to show God that I appreciate what he did for me. Because my church family, at 19 years old, I was on my knees ready to commit suicide and take my own life. And what Jesus did for me means so much to me that for me, no sacrifice is too great for what he sacrificed for me. You know what that comes back to? Honoring his sacrifice, honoring his suffering. And I truly believe that there's even some of us as Christians, we're not living in the resurrection power because we don't honor his sacrifice. Yeah, he died. Yeah, it's great. That's good. No, but do you honor it? Before we close and we're going to take communion today, it's interesting. Um, I was talking to a person this last year. We had planned a huge Easter service and I don't know, we had like 450 people that came, like 50 people gave their heart to Jesus and it was an amazing time, amazing. 
But a couple days before, I was at the store, and I saw a woman in, that used to come to our church, and I said, hey, you know, good to see you. I'm so excited about Easter this Sunday. And, and aren't you excited about, you know, church and, and blah, 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 and this celebration, you know. She goes, oh, yeah, no, 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 that's good, but wait, I'm, not, I'm not going. I said, oh, no. She said, no, I'm having some family over, and we're just going to have lunch. I'm going to tell you something. I love my family. I love them all. I, my family is a priority but they're not the priority of my life. God is. And if we think that on Easter Sunday, sitting around with our family, drinking a La Crux, a La Crux, I don't know what you say, the mineral water and going, whoo, my church family, that's all good and fine. But you're missing out the reason of why we celebrate. The reason why we celebrate is we were dead in our sin. And without Jesus, we could not make heaven. But he who was sinless came to the earth and died. And he suffered a horrific death because he loved you and I. And to me, I want to honor that by being in his house and being on the front row going, thank you, because I want to live a life that honors his death. My family's coming for Christmas. They're all coming. But we said, hey, we're so glad you're coming. Have people coming for Texas. But we have a Christmas Eve service. And we're going to celebrate. Our family, we celebrate. It's going to be great. But we can't forget the reason why we celebrate. I said, we have a Christmas Eve service. And all of our family knows we're going, we're coming. Why? Because without Jesus and his life in us, he's the reason we have life, that we can sit around and drink your LaCroix, your LaCroix, your whatever you call it, and we can sip on our Diet Cokes and talk about all the thing and all the blessing. It's because of his death. Can I hear a good amen today, my church family? And I love my family, and they're watching today, and I honor them, and they, but they would tell me the same thing. I'm going to visit them, and they're like, oh, you're here on a Sunday? Oh, we're going to church. And I understand why. Because our family and all of the blessing is because of him. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on, can we honor him for just a moment? Come on, can we give him a good round of applause today? I love my family, but they're not my ultimate treasure. They're a treasure. But what I'm saying is what we put first, we have to realize I want to live a life that honors his death every day. I'm not perfect. There's some days I just get down on myself because I want to be better, but that's my goal. These gifts, gold, frankincense, gold to honor his deity, saying, Jesus, you are my treasure. You have my heart. Frankincense to honor Jesus as the king, not just for the royals, but for those that were poor. Myrrh, we honor his death. I want to close with this today. As I studied myrrh, it's pretty interesting that myrrh carries with it a healing component. They would take myrrh and rub it on people's wounds. And immediately I thought about Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. It says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, one translation says, by his wounds, we are, what is that word? Come on, say it. We're healed. We're healed by his wounds. So here's number three for today. Do you know we can actually receive healing by honoring his broken body? 
by honoring. I have found personally, every time I honor God in whatever area of my life, I experience more blessing. Every time I give my life in sacrifice for him, I experience more of the life than he has. At one of our life groups, one of the gentlemen there said, he says, I just don't understand how this works. He says, but I've been giving myself uh, to the house of God. He's serving. He serves here. He does a great job. He says, and I thought that I wouldn't have enough time. He says, but what's interesting is when I started giving my, my time to the house of God, or giving my, my time to God through his house, he says, I'm doing more and I feel like I have more time. Why? Because when you honor God, he works in your life. That's why to me, there's no sacrifice for me that is great enough for him. He always, when I sacrifice my life for him, guess what I get back? More life. Can I hear a good amen today? This is why Paul said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I live, but Christ lives through me. And we're going to take communion here in just a minute because I think it, it so applies. Paul, in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he starts writing about communion. Communion is one of the ways that we honor the body and the sacrifice of Jesus. What he did, it represents what he did. Paul is writing to them because Paul is surprised that so many Christians were sick and dying. He uses the word fall asleep before their time. They were dying premature. Many people don't really understand what communion's all about. But today, I want to help you to have a revelation of what this is really supposed to be in your life. I know people that won't take this because they misunderstand this scripture. But I want to help today because I believe this today, if we'll honor Jesus' sacrifice and have faith and believe that his stripes, that his broken body were given for our healing, that even today, healing can happen. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. it says, For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, he's talking about communion, he who eats and drinks in an unworthy, everybody say unworthy. In an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning, everybody say discerning, not discerning the Lord's what? Body, body. Now I want you to notice what Paul says, verse 30. For this reason, he does not say for this reasons, he says for this reason, many have been weak, sick, and falling asleep. So what does this mean? Today we're going to take communion. Today what we're going to do is we're going to honor Jesus' sacrifice. It's important that we do this. Why? Jesus will tell us to do this in remembrance of him. Everybody look at me today. This is not a time for us to examine every sin in our life. This is a time for you, when we put this in your hand, to do this in remembrance of your sin, or who do we do it in remembrance of? Jesus. Jesus. So this isn't a time where I'm going to go before the Lord and say, you know, when I was in third grade, blah, 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 you know, I just still feel guilty. That's not what this is about. This is about doing it in remembrance of him and what he did. So I asked myself this question. It says, he who drinks in an unworthy manner. Now let's say this. Number one, we are all unworthy, but now we have been made worthy. Why? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a better amen than that? So you keep walking around going, you're not worthy. No, but Jesus said he paid such a high price for you. He valued you that he gave his, shed his own blood. 
So we're all unworthy. Jesus is the one that makes us worthy. But let me just talk to you just for a moment as a Christian. So what does drinking unworthy mean? Well, he tells us. Put that verse back up there, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty nine. 29. What does drinking unworthy mean? An unworthy manner is not discerning the Lord's body, which is what? The bread. In this case, the wafer that we have today. So here's what Paul was saying. When you take communion, you understand what the juice is for. It represents the forgiveness of your sins. And today we're going to drink of this. And it represents that we have been forgiven. But what he's saying, because in the Greek literal text, the word, I think this is really important. Discerning means this. It means to make a difference. Everybody say that with me, to make a difference. What he's saying is that you're drinking and you understand this. So you're experience the blessing. Yes, I'm forgiven of my sins. My church family, how many of you know we are forgiven of our sins because of what Jesus did? It's not about what you did, it's about what he did. But do you also know that within his blood that was shed, there was also healing? The Bible says that he not only forgives all of our iniquities, but he heals all of our diseases. So what Paul was saying is, oh, you're taking advantage and enjoying and understanding forgiveness. But how many of you know you can die of a sickness and still know you're forgiven? But he said, this represents his body. And his body was broken so your body could be well. Let me say it this way. His body was wounded so your body could be well. So whenever I take this, the bread, Jesus said, I am the bread of what? Sickness? I'm the bread of what? Life. So when I take this, and then just in a moment, we're going to break it. Why are we breaking it? We're reminding ourselves of Jesus's broken body. I want to ask you a question. When Jesus walked on the earth, did Jesus have any sickness in his body? No. Jesus was never sick. He was human, but he was never sick. And he gave his body. Then his body, what? was broken. He became sin, but in that process was all not only for your forgiveness, but for your healing. So when we take this and break it and we take it, you need to say to yourself, just like when you drink this, I am forgiven. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness. When you take of this, you need to say, I thank you that I am healed by your broken body. You know, I preach communion this way. Why do you preach it? Because it works. So I preached it. I, don't know, like, I have a whole message on communion, but um, one of our singers, it was like two years ago, she took communion and she took this wafer and she ate it and she said, I thank you, God, that I'm healed. She, had, she told me this after service. She said, I had full sinuses when I came in. She says, when I ate the wafer and I said, thank you, God, that I am healed because of your broken body. Why? We're honoring his sacrifice. She said, my whole, all of the mucus in my head and in my forehead that I felt all evaporated. My church family, was it this that did it? No, it was what it represents. It represents his broken body. Now, let me just say this because I think it's important to say 
Well, it says here, Pastor Phil, that it says it talks about drinking judgment to himself. Well, let me explain what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, this is why you're dying is because you're not taking advantage of the healing, of the healing that God through Jesus's broken body, taking of communion. So it's almost like that in itself is a judgment because the sickness is coming against you. It's in your body. And if you don't get healed, it's going to ruin your life. That's in itself is its own judgment. But here you have the answer. Let me say this and we're going to take communion. If this really is what this meant, my church family, I'm going to ask you a question. Two questions. Did Jesus give communion to the disciples? All right. I'm going to say it again. Now you say it louder so everybody watching online think you got it the first time. Did Jesus give communion to the disciples? Man, you guys are so smart. Were any of the disciples saved when Jesus gave them communion? So they were saved, born again, when Jesus gave them communion? That's good. Say it, Shaw. Say it loud. Because he hadn't died yet. So if this is exactly what Paul was saying, then Jesus was giving judgment to his own disciples because they hadn't even been saved yet and they were unworthy. That's not what Paul means here. I talked with a guy one time and he told me, I love that my, you know, my pastor, he gets up there and he says, you better not take communion because you know, you're going to, you're drinking death to yourself. And he's like, I like when people say it like that because you shouldn't. And this is the attitude that many people have. I shouldn't take. And what Paul is saying, I, you should be taking this. This is why today church, when you walk out, there's a big box of communion. You should take three, four, five, steal the communion from church. Come on, somebody just take a whole bunch this week. And whenever you, I do this in my, in my, my time, Jesus said, as often as you do, you take communion. You don't need a priest there. You don't need a pastor. Jesus is your high priest and you can get there. And whenever you're just in my, my quiet time, I open that up and I just thank God that I am healed. I am thanking him for his life. Can I just tell you this? And then we're going to, we're going to pray and we're going to take communion. How did sin come into the world? Eating. How do we experience the life that Jesus came to give us? Feeding on his broken body. There's life. Jesus is the bread of life. Can we give him a great round of applause this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to take of communion. You don't have to be a member of our church to do it, but you do have to know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior so you can understand and get the maximum of what God has. But if you're here today and you didn't get a, an element, a communion element, they're on the, the table there. You can get them as you walk in. Would you just lift up your hands? Our ushers are going to serve you today. My church family, you are worthy to take of his body. It was given to you. Jesus said it was given to you. It was given to you. You got to say that. It's given to me. It's given to me. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you don't know Jesus, tonight, 
this morning, I want you to know that he died for you. And it's as simple to invite him inside your heart to say, God, I want to begin to honor you. Open up my heart. The Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks. He's not kicking doors down, but he is opening up. If you'll open up your heart, he'll come into you. He'll fellowship with you. So every head bowed and every eye closed before we partake of this today. If you want to invite Jesus inside your heart, and maybe today it is good. You know, Paul said that we are to examine ourselves. Those are good. Those are good things to do. But he was also saying that we need to examine to making sure that we're discerning, making that difference, making the difference between the bread and the wine. But if you were to just examine yourself today and say, Phil, I know I need today, I need to make a recommitment. You don't have to wait to 2023 to make resolution. You can say right now, I want to honor him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'd like to include you in this prayer. We need to say it, say it with faith. Passion Life Church, would you say this and repeat this prayer after me so those who are saying it for the first time don't feel like they're alone. Say this. Say, Father God, thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for me. Father God, Forgive me of all of my sins. Jesus, come inside my heart. I confess you as my Lord and my Savior. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to live for you. Jesus gave us his body. And it was given for you. And if you would, if you would take this wafer. Open that up. It represents his broken body. Would you just break this? I like to take communion slow because there's a lot happening. I literally believe when we do this, people, you right here are going to be healed. You're going to be healed. There's a lot of ways that we can be healed. We can lay hands on the sick, but this is one of the ways that healing by just honoring what he did. So we're going to make a difference. So we take this bread. Jesus said, I gave it and give it to you. You do this in remembrance of me. Come on, let's eat this. Thank you. And Jesus took the cup. It's the cup of blessing. The Bible says of new covenant in his blood shed for you. And for me. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I can be forgiven of everything that we've ever done, no matter how many times we did it, because of the great sacrifice. And so today, God, we just honor your sacrifice. Thank you, Jesus. Would you just take a moment and close your eyes? Everybody just close your eyes for just a moment. I want us to honor him today. Right where you're at. If you need healing in your body, just thank God that you are healed. Thank God in Jesus' name. Thank God for your healing. We honor your sacrifice. Cancer must go in Jesus' name. Migraines must go in Jesus' name. Weariness. Pains in the neck. Somebody has a pain in your neck. 
you've been struggling with, that has to go in Jesus' name. Vision. Someone struggling with your eyes and blurriness, and that has to go. Inflammation in the body has to go in the name of Jesus. Someone, you're, you're having issues with your feet, that has to go in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. We honor you today, God. We honor you. Would you give the Lord a great round of applause today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.